good evening and hello on a Sunday afternoon from East Texas in Tyler. Glad to have you, Bill Allen here from West Irwin Church of Christ, and uh, want you to know I'm glad that you're studying along with us today. Uh, this is the second lesson in a new series on the Gospel of Mark, Mark the Action Gospel, and I hope that you're able to join in either live or uh, later on through our live streaming page. This, um, uh, this program is broadcast there at westerwin.com on our uh, social media and resources live stream page. It's broadcast at 6 p.m. and then put in archives, and it's on my Facebook page live at 4 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And then, uh, of course, you can scroll down and see it uh, after that uh, along with uh, our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page. Uh, very momentous week as we look ahead to the inauguration on Wednesday, uh, Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. Uh, this weekend is also uh, the Sanctity of Life Sunday today and Religious Freedom uh, Awareness and, and uh, Celebration uh, time this week and lots of other things going on. Of course, we continue to be prayerful for um, the, uh, the virus, uh, that it will, the vaccines will work well and that our nation will be able and our world will be able to recover in the weeks and months ahead. We're hoping that, and we're uh, looking forward to God uh, blessing us in that way. Lots of folks that are struggling, some with the uh, death of loved ones, uh, some related to the coronavirus, others uh, because that's the way this world is. And it's never good, it's never fun, but it is, uh, it is something that is a part of life in this world. And uh, so when we experience loss, we mourn like others do, but First Thessalonians 4 reminds us that we do not mourn like those who have no hope. And so we're especially mindful in prayer for those who have loved ones that are struggling uh, with the disease, others who have lost the loved ones, and those who have lost loved ones uh, for other reasons as well. Um, our uh, dear friends Jeff and Karis and Darcy Steifer and their family are mourning uh, the loss of Corbin, and we ask you to continue to remember them in prayer. Uh, with that in mind, I want you to know if you tune into my Tuesday, Thursday Facebook classes, I want you to know that the Tuesday class this week will be on Monday because of a schedule conflict on Tuesday. And so I'll look at that next uh, great passage uh, from Colossians on Monday at 3 p.m. That is the plan, and I hope that you'll join in then and if uh, if you uh, miss that somehow or another it'll of course be on our on my facebook page and the west Irwin page and the archives page so lots going on um lots of concerns out there for our nation for our world for our communities for our church for our family and i appreciate you joining in prayer uh with me uh, that's part of the lesson today as we look at the life of jesus christ in the very beginning of his ministry this uh, study of the Gospel of Mark, Mark the Action Gospel, uh, doesn't begin like the other Gospels do with some introductory things. It jumps right in as, uh, as Mark introduces his theme in the first couple of verses and talks about uh, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the very important start for Mark. And as he continues on through chapter 1, um, we're going to see today that he... Uh, talks about the beginning of Jesus' ministry uh, now that John becomes more out of the picture, John the Baptist. 
and the focus for the rest is on uh, Jesus and his ministry, ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, so with that in mind, let's take a look at this. One of the things that we'll look at today is where Jesus gets his power, how he speaks and acts with authority, uh, not tooting his own horn or ringing his own bell, and that's kind of troubling for some. Uh, but, uh, uh, but there are some passages of Scripture that help us to understand even that. And we're grateful that Jesus came not to um, demonstrate uh, his own significance, but rather he came uh, to do the will of the Father and to demonstrate with the power of being a servant and with the power of sacrificing his own life of how much uh, God loves us, how much he loves us. Um, he would say to his disciples, as John records, as you know, in John 13, uh, that there's no greater love that a person could have than to give his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you, my friend, because Jesus is your friend as well. And he gave his life for you and he gave his life for me. What a great, great blessing. That is the gospel, um, that he died for us and that he was raised from the dead and that the tomb is empty. And so we live today with hope, even in difficult times. And we live today uh, looking ahead to the time when he returns and letting that call us to look around and serve and help where we can in our world today. Um, so from the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus acted with authority uh, to act upon the words that he spoke. Uh, he claimed that authority, and then he would act on it. Um, and we are going to see that today in several different ways. Um, first of all, in chapter 1, verse 16 and following, we read that he called people with authority. Uh, he attracted uh, followers. In Mark 1, beginning at verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And that's what fishermen do. Uh, when I've been a fisherman, typically with my brother, Wayne Lewis, uh, uh, I have cast the net or the line uh, into the water uh, and uh, into the lake or into the river or into the creek <laughs> uh, without a whole lot of luck. My brother, he does a lot of great fishing and has a lot better luck than I do uh, because he's good at it. Um, and some of my most treasured memories are going fishing with my brother. Uh, but for Jesus, he calls these two men who were professional fishermen. Um, and he tells them something that he tells us as well in verse 17 of Mark 1. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Uh, the traditional translation, I will make you fishers of men, not just fish. At once they left their nets and followed him. Uh, John gives us some more details about that. There seems to be some indication that uh, uh, John the Baptist pointed him out to some of them, and Jesus himself had some interaction with them. Um, and, uh, and they leave their nets and go and follow Jesus. When he had gone a little farther, verse 19, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets without delay. He called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, with the hired men and followed him. Again, we read of how Andrew, when first encountering Jesus, went and found his brother, uh, Philip, when he first encountered Jesus, found uh, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, 
who came to Jesus and Jesus and had that inter- interesting interaction with him. Uh, as Mark puts it, again, Mark doesn't add a lot of fluff. He doesn't give us much detail. Uh, 16 chapters, unlike uh, Matthew's 28 and Luke's 24. Uh, but he gives us the message of the gospel. And he calls these first disciples, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. James, the brother of John. Uh, this John, not the gospel, not the one uh, who was in prison, John the Baptist, but the one who would be the disciple whom Jesus loved as he describes himself in John in the gospel that he wrote. And then this James, not the brother of Jane, uh, Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle of James that's in our New Testament, but uh, rather uh, James, the brother of John, who, according to Acts chapter 12, is the first apostle killed for the faith. Uh, also one of the three closest to Jesus, uh, Peter, uh, James, and John, went a little bit farther in the garden when Jesus prayed the night before he died than the other disciples. Uh, went with him uh, into the room uh, when he uh, raised uh, the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue leader from the dead, and, um, and also James being one of the ones with Peter and his brother John on uh, the mountain of transfiguration. Um, and it's interesting that one of those three closest to Jesus, one of those first disciples, apostles of Christ, uh, was also the first apostle killed for the faith. Um, Peter, Andrew, James, and John uh, leave their nets, leave their jobs, and go and follow Jesus to fish for people. Um, Jesus is attracting followers, and but he also is demonstrating his authority, not just with words, uh, but with actions as well. We keep reading in Mark 1, verses 21 through uh, 28. They went to Capernaum, a very important city uh, in the region of Galilee. Uh, And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And we're reminded of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, how Jesus challenges us with a very critical teaching, uh, teaching that is very challenging, and, um, and it's very authoritative, as he says in those chapters. Uh, you've heard it said uh, in the old times, this, but I say unto you, uh, and he announces in that Matthew 5 uh, that he's not there to destroy or abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he shares um, a, a very hard teaching throughout Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, here, Mark reminds us of that authority uh, and how amazed the people were. They got it. They realized that he was a person who, when he spoke, uh, it had power behind it. It wasn't like their religious leaders who had no power behind their words because their authority, their power didn't come from their lives. It came uh, from their position. And whereas that's an important level of authority, it's one of the lowest forms because you you follow them, not because they're great leaders or they have great authority, but because you have to or you'll get in trouble. For Jesus, it wasn't that way. For Jesus, he earned their trust and he um, was worthy of them uh, following him because he had authority from the start. Um, an incredible, incredible statement. Uh, Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy, to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then Jesus surprises us in verse 25. We expect him to say, that's right, and I hope that everyone around heard that. Instead, he does just the opposite in verse 25. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? What is this new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And we don't let, doubt that last verse, do we? Uh, they didn't have social media, but boy, they sure could spread the message. And when something like this happens, something extraordinary, word gets out. And, you know, we have seen uh, in years past and currently even uh, people claiming to have this kind of authority, and yet they don't demonstrate it with their actions. Um, there was no question that Jesus had authority over evil spirits, that as we're going to see, Jesus had authority over diseases and the power to heal. But as we see this interesting statement in Jesus, he calls on um, on these demons, these impure spirits, to uh, be quiet. And we'll see that again in just a moment, but let's hold on to that thought because um, we're, going to, we're going to address that. Uh, in just a moment. At this time, Jesus, of course, is demonstrating his authority. He's claimed it. He's called the first apostles, and he's also shown it here on the Sabbath, uh, which gets him into trouble, as you know. Luke makes a big deal about that first uh, sermon that he has, quoting from uh, the book of Isaiah and, and demonstrating his power and authority, and yet uh, not receiving uh, a following because of the questions about his um, uh, where he came from, uh, the questions about healing on the Sabbath that the Jewish leaders just kept badgering him about instead of seeing the authority uh, with which he acted. Okay, so he has authority over evil spirits. He also has authority over diseases and illness. Um, and it's because he's the creator. It's because he is the sustainer. Uh, but... Uh, Mark begins with that. In uh, Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So they go to Peter and Andrew's house, and, uh, uh, and, they, uh, and the disciples go with them. Uh, verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law, and that's a bit of a surprise for some, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Was Peter married? Well, yeah, so it appears. Uh, so it appears. Uh, was his wife alive during his ministry with Jesus? Um, seems like it. Um, he certainly cared for his mother-in-law. Uh, and, uh, and now she was ill, and Jesus uh, followed his new disciples uh, to their home, and he healed her. Uh, and she immediately began to get up and, and, and wait on them and serve them. And that's what you do when you are blessed in such a way from Jesus that you, you want to help others. You want to reach out and, and, and serve and minister and uh, provide assistance because not out of requirement but out of great gratitude because of the effect that Jesus has had in your life 
Um, and that's what Jesus does here. Uh, that's exactly uh, what he does. He brings healing into the life of Peter's mother-in-law, and, and she responds with gratitude and with service. Uh, Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 9 mentions uh, Peter's marriage and others and the apostles, and he, he does that by in a context of saying, hey, I like the others, I have the right to take a wife. Uh, Paul chose not to. And he speaks of that in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians and, of course, also in chapter 9, verse 5. Um, uh, others didn't make that choice. The, the message in 1 Corinthians 7 is, you know, if, you, if you're called to be married, then, then get married. If, you, if you're called to be single, then be single. But whatever you do, uh, put God first in your life and live out uh, the gospel with your own uh, lives. Um, uh, Peter certainly did that. Paul certainly did that. Um, and Jesus is the great example uh, uh, and demonstrates his authority, uh, not just over evil spirits or demons, but also over disease and the destruction that it can cause in a person's life. Uh, verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. You see, work was getting out already. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Uh, and again, that allusion to Jesus saying, be quiet, I don't, I don't want you to announce this yet. I'm not ready. Um, I'm not ready. And we're going to see that uh, over and over again as he uh, tries to keep it under wraps until the time is right. Um, and in just a few moments, when we get to verse 43, we'll say again a little bit more um, about that. Jesus attracted followers, his first disciples, his first apostles. He had authority over evil spirits as he called out these demons and uh, demonstrated his authority over disease. In this instance, with Peter's mother-in-law and then with the whole town. And that's what we would do as well. Uh, exactly what we would do if we saw that kind of power. And so where does Jesus' power come from? Well, it probably, you might think, well, it comes from him being the Son of God, which would be true, of course. It comes from him being the Lord of all, and that would be true, of course. But interestingly enough, Mark gives us a clue into his source of power. And it's, um, it's the same source that we have. It's the power of God. And it's seen in Jesus' life through prayer, interestingly enough. Amazingly so. Jesus' source of authority and power was the Father. And the power that was distributed to him uh, through his prayer life with his Father. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Maybe you're a morning person, maybe you're a night owl, uh, maybe you like to read your Bible at lunch, uh, have some time alone, maybe you can uh, have some time alone during the day where you can pray. I don't know when it is for you, when will be best, but I urge you, I urge you to spend time every day in deliberate Bible study, Bible reading, and also in deliberate prayer. Um, Certainly, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians that we are to pray constantly, pray without ceasing. And I don't think that means that we're constantly saying prayers, but that we're constantly in a, in a place of prayer where 
uh, in a moment's notice, we could go to our Father, and it wouldn't be a difficult thing for us. It would be quite natural. Uh, it wouldn't be a stretch. It, we wouldn't be uh, embarrassed or ashamed because we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, but rather it's just as if our Father was walking right beside us. Um, and what a great image uh, that is. Um, and, and so it's, I, I think that um, that great old song, I come to the garden alone and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Uh, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other could ever know. What a great, great statement. What a great feeling. And uh, I, I think that Jesus felt that with his father, even though he was separate from him because he had taken on human form and now was here instead of in the very throne room at the right hand of the Father, they didn't stop communicating. Jesus continued to talk to his Father, but amazingly enough, Jesus, the Son of God, while he was in this world, prayed. And I, you've heard me say before, likely, if you've heard very many of my lessons, um, they're the, the best passage, the best commandment, the best indication and call for us to pray is this simple fact, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Uh, his power and his authority came from that close relationship with the Father. And that close relationship with the Father uh, was demonstrated through the communication that he gave with his Father. We see him several times in Scripture, uh, getting up early in the morning or spending all night in prayer. Again, maybe, maybe mornings is not your specialty, and so before you go to sleep at night, you spend time in prayer and Bible study with God. I urge you to do that. It's not too late uh, to start a daily Bible reading program. Of course, it's never too late. Uh, but I would, I would encourage you to, to do that and to read a chapter or two or three every day. If you read three chapters a day, you'll uh, come close to reading through the Bible in a year. Every so often, if you read an extra chapter, then you'll get there. Um, and if uh, you haven't started that yet, then I would urge you to do that this year. I'm reading uh, a chapter out of uh, the New Testament each day, and I'm reading a chapter out of the Old Testament each day. I'm starting with Isaiah, and then I'll go to the Psalms from there. Uh, whatever works for you is what you should do. You just need to do it. Jesus prayed. Jesus spent time with the Father in personal devotion, and we must as well. Um, again, reading verse 35 of Mark 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. What a great statement that is. There's all kinds of urgent things that come upon us, but Jesus demonstrates that to us that Sometimes you deal with the urgent, but sometimes you deal with what's important and you let the urgent lie. That's what he did uh, in another place as they mm -hmm. talked to him about uh, sacrifices that were made for him, expensive uh, perfumes that were uh, that uh, a woman anointed him with. And they're saying, wait, this could have been this could have been sold and the money given to the poor, although Judas wasn't thinking about the poor. But Jesus says, you know, there's a time for that, and, and they're always going to be here, and we want to be conscious of that. No one was more conscious of that than Jesus. But he also said there's also a time for a different kind of worship, the kind of sacrifice of worship that seems uh, useless and a waste, seems wasteful. But in a sense, worship is that. Direct worship is that. It's time spent alone with God, 
um, or time spent with the church family, with God or with a few others in Bible study and prayer, uh, when we give ourselves to God instead of doing something perhaps more urgent. And so let me tell you that you need to, you need to um, sacri- make that sacrifice. You need to do the important things uh, as well as the urgent things. When the urgent calls and we have to respond and do that, of course, of course. But if that's all you do, that's not enough. That won't carry you through your life. Jesus realized that. And he spent time with his father in prayer. Verse 38 of Mark 1, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Uh, Remember the northern uh, province of Galilee, um, where uh, uh, Jesus had his home base, so to speak, there in Capernaum, a very important city, uh, there uh, where the Sea of Galilee uh, was. And then the Jordan River goes south and, um, and goes down all the way to the Roman province of Judea, where Bethlehem and Jerusalem are. Uh, and in between was the region of Samaria, Galilee, Samaria, Judea, north to south. And uh, we're going to see his interaction with the Samaritans as well, uh, even though they were despised by the Jews of Jesus' day. He reached out to them as he reached out to everyone. Jesus' source of authority and power uh, was prayer. And uh, in Luke 6, when Luke gives us his version of the Lord's Prayer uh, that Matthew gives to us in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Luke in Luke chapter 6 Uh, demonstrates that Jesus is praying and his disciples are watching and because of that they come to him and they say Lord teach us to pray and that's when Jesus gives uh, the version in Luke of what we call the Lord's Prayer Uh, Jesus source of authority and power uh, was the same one that's available for us today Uh, the power of God seen and demonstrated in the power of prayer so let's read the rest of this passage and, um, and talk a little bit about uh, that secrecy, that call to demons to be quiet. Uh, later he would say, as we're going to find out, to people he heals, be, don't, don't tell anybody. Uh, doesn't make sense to us. Um, Mark 1, beginning at verse 43. Let's start at verse 40. A man uh, with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Again, a man with leprosy, unclean, the Old Testament says. And yet Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. He overpowered the disease through his great authority. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once, verse 33, with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. That's what the law said. And the law was very specific. If you've read those uh, passages in the Old Testament law, uh, you know how specific it is as it talks about um, what the skin looks like and what the disease looks like. And how to determine when you go to the priest if, if it's uh, still uh, a contagious situation or not. Uh, Jesus tells this man to do that. Instead, verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. 
and so instead of doing what Jesus said, which was don't tell anybody, uh, he does the opposite. And we've got to, you know, there's a, there's a part of us that says you should be obeying the command of Jesus uh, to, to be quiet about it. But there's also a part of us that admires him. It's just too good a news. He could not hold it in. What Jesus had done for him, um, this leprosy, this scourge on their population, just like uh, the novel coronavirus is a scourge on ours. And Jesus came and this man had no hope, zero hope to be healed, zero hope to be restored to his family and friends and loved ones, zero hope to be restored socially to his world. Um, Jesus came and broke through all of that. Um, and, and so he goes and he tells people about it. And, and here's a clue as to why Jesus didn't want them to do that yet. Verse 45, about the middle of the verse, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is part of the reason why uh, Jesus wanted to keep it on the down low for now. Later, that wouldn't be the case, but as long as he could, he tried to keep the news quiet so that he could minister and go to the places where he wanted to go and, and see the place, the people that he wanted to see and help uh, and heal and teach. Um, in Mark chapter 12, we get, I mean, in Matthew chapter 12, we get more of an indication in verses 15 through 21 as, as Matthew quotes from Isaiah. And talks about how Jesus would not toot his own horn. He would not uh, make a big splash on purpose just so that people would see. Um, he was one who was wanting to uh, keep it quiet. Uh, and he wanted people to focus on God, not on these miracles. They were signs. They were uh, uh, to attest his authority, certainly so. Uh, but they were also meant to, to point people to God, to go to the Father and to his will. And to the kingdom of God that Jesus said was happening all around you, it was coming. And, and you're going to miss it uh, if you're focusing on these other things. Jesus wanted to avoid publicity so that he could carry out his ministry. Uh, he wanted to build mature faith. And we remember the words to his mother that John records at his first miracle in John chapter 2. When she comes to him and says they've run out of wine, uh, can you do something is basically what she's saying, knowing that he can, if he chose to. And Jesus tells her, my hour has not yet come, my time has not yet come. And so we, we see that, because later on, as these words get out about who Jesus is and what he is capable of doing, the religious leaders uh, can bear it no longer and put him to death. It was not time for that yet. And so Jesus uh, tries to put a lid on it as best he can, uh, but the news is too good. People just cannot not speak. And that should be us, shouldn't it? That should be us. We can't help but speak about what Jesus has done in our lives, especially at a time like now, when so many are struggling, when so many are, are feeling hopeless and cynical and afraid and anxious. That should never be how a Christian feels, because our hope is not in who won the last election. Our hope is not in the policy that that the our religion, our, our governmental leaders will enact. Uh, we pray that those things will favor us and that those things will help spread the gospel and not be a hindrance. But we read the pages of the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, and we realize those things didn't keep the gospel from being spread. Because people were serving the Lord and obeying his will and sharing that message 
no matter what the effect was, no matter what uh, the civil authority said. And that's, that began with Jesus. Um, that's exactly what he did as well. And we're called to do that exact same thing. And so as we look back on this great chapter, Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus in verse uh, 15 went uh, proclaiming, verses 14 and 15, proclaiming the gospel and calling on people to repent uh, and to receive the kingdom of God, just as John had done. And uh, now as we see him interacting one-on-one -on -one with people and demonstrating his authority. Jesus spoke with authority, as we see in this passage, but he didn't just speak words. That was the way um, the, the Jewish leaders tried to do. And Jesus would even tell his followers, don't do as they say, because they don't practice what they preach, or don't do as they do, don't act as they act, because they don't practice what they preach. Listen to their words and, and measure that. But with Jesus, he spoke with authority, but he followed that authority up by acting with authority. He called on those demons to leave him. He healed people of disease. He spoke strong words of teaching, uh, as we'll see throughout the Gospels, and as we see especially in that Sermon on the Mount we've mentioned in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus acted with authority. And um, even though his desire was never to call attention to himself, um, people came because he drew them by his words and his teaching, but also by his actions. And then finally, Jesus' authority and his power came from the Father. And we see that played out just in the same way that we can play it out ourselves and see it in our own lives. Jesus prayed. He spent time alone with the Father. He talked to the Father. And we can too. We can too. Even when we don't know what to say, that great chapter, my favorite chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, uh, that we'll look at uh, soon in our Sunday morning series on the book of Romans, Righteousness Living. Um, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. What a great passage of Scripture from Romans 8. Even when you don't have the words, they just can't come because the situation is so uh, so hard um, that prayer is uttered by the spirit within you and the Holy Spirit of God hears that prayer and words that are spirit language and communicates it with our Heavenly Father through our Savior Jesus Christ um, Jesus spoke Jesus acted with authority Jesus lived out that authority and that authority, that strength, is the same source of our strength today. Not just the prayer life, but the Father to whom we pray. I hope that you'll spend time in prayer and Bible study every single day. And I hope that these lessons from the Gospel of Mark will encourage you along the way. Again, on Tuesday, uh, I'll, I'll be away, and so we're going to do our next uh, lesson tomorrow, Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. from the book of Colossians. And then also Thursday uh, at 3 p.m. Central Time. I hope and I pray that you'll be uh, mindful in prayer of those who need you. And that you'll also be mindful in prayer that the Father will use you uh, to demonstrate his authority, his power, by being a servant. 
responding to the great things that God has done for you, just as Peter's mother-in-law did, by serving and helping and sharing this message of salvation, this message of the gospel, the kingdom of God. God bless.